And now, a word from our sponsors. Gabriella Balcom won the right to have a novel published by Clarendon House Publishing when one of her stories was voted best in the anthology in which it appeared. Her book, On the Wings of Ideas, came out following this. What's your favorite genre? Fantasy? Horror? Sci-fi? Romance? Literary fiction? This multi-genre collection of short stories includes all of that and more and has something for everyone. Gabriella's stories will alternately move you and bring you to tears, captivate or horrify you, and have you on the edge of your seat. Don't miss out. Be sure to get a copy today. Submissions are now open until August 1st for the Sweetie Cat Press Anthology, The Whole Wide World. The submissions should be episodes of no more than 3,000 words and as few as 50 words about the worldwide adventures of Detective Curly Knucklewad and his assistant, Miss Wanda Wowser, as they go on a manhunt for the unknown thief of the limp noodle sauce recipe stolen from the secret government food laboratory in San Francisco. Submission guidelines are in the blog section of the Sweetie Cat Press website at sweetiecatpress.com. That's sweetiecatpress.com. S-W-E-E-T-Y-C-A-T-P-R-E-S-S dot com. Gabriella Balcom's thrilling sci-fi novella, The Return. The world doesn't know about the compound hidden underground and the wealthy investors funding it want things to stay that way. Although it's the year 2027, most of the facility's research is illegal. If animal rights activists had an inkling of what went on, they'd clamor for justice. Human rights activists would scream from the rooftops. By the time 2030 arrives, researchers have worked for a while with feline service units and human replicas. HRs, who are virtual prisoners with no rights. More and more of them are dying and they long for freedom. Surprisingly, one of the top scientists isn't happy with the status quo either. Tensions are mounting and things are not as they appear. Summertime is here and the best way to beat the heat is with these great deals at MythMart.com. Join the adventure with sisters Emma and Olivia as they journey through the land of imagination in search of Yoon, the magical unicorn, in David K. Montoya's The Missing Unicorn and the Land of the Zombie Fairies. Or travel with poet Christopher Bice as he shares his thoughts on love, death, inspiration, and madness in Escaping the Darkness, Running from My Dreams. If fantasy romance is more your speed, join Celeste and Merrick as they figure out how to defeat the evil Ren doll while they figure out the plans of the elders in Stephanie J. Vardy's The Chosen. Like comic books? We got them too! Hot Off the Press is American Smash by Alan Russo and David K. Montoya for $4.99. Or enjoy our older releases like The Hunter's Exodus for only $2.99. Also, just in time for the summer are these other hot deals like Zoe M. Montoya's Uni Whale t-shirt, blue for boys and pink for girls, only $33.99. Or Lupus Bits the Podcast shirt for $27.99. For all our art lovers, we have something for you too with our prints and lithographs. Check out the Ed Vickford collection for $15 each or enjoy the art of Vincent May for $15. We have everything you'll need to stay inside and beat the summertime heat at MythMart.com. 
For more information, go to www.mythmart.com. Call us at 870-557-2612 or email sales at mythmart.com. And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Hey everybody, my name is Eddie. We are here with John Masari, and you're you're listening and watching my public life as American nerd. Welcome back. And this is John Masari. He's a, a musician and composer. How you doing, John? I'm doing good, Eddie. Thank you for having me on. No problem. Now let's get into 1988. Okay. That's that's when you that's when the movie Killer Clowns from Outer Space was released, mm-hmm. and you did the soundtrack, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. okay. Um, how did you get involved with that? Well, um, I'll I'll give you the short story. Okay. It's a long story, because <laughs> everything adds up. I mean, if you were going to, um. You know, all, all the events kind of cascade out and they become very large and then they come to a point for every specific chapter in your life. So I'll make it very simple. Um, I was working with someone um, who, who on his movie trailer. Uh, there's a, a director and producer named um, Eric Young. And he wanted me to do music for his movie trailer. Back then, people did a movie trailer Uh, also as a means to raise funds for a feature Mm -hmm. so they would do like maybe a two and a half minute extended trailer that kind of outlines the movie so we got we hit off really well he liked the job i did it was a lot of fun working with him and um a few years after that he said uh i have some friends that they're working on a a crazy sci-fi movie um, people I used to work with, they're, they're a team of brothers, the Kyoto brothers. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, it might be something you like, but maybe not. It's really bizarre. You, 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 it may be too crazy for you. And when he told me the title, I said, oh my goodness, it's not crazy for me. Yeah. That's, that's what I've been waiting for. So um, at the time, you know, the media industry runs in trends. And there was something that I very much admired. There was a movie uh, called... Uh, uh, it was by Tim Burton, and it was Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice yes. And I go, how great is this? It's bizarre. It's funny. It's scary. It's gross. It's, you know, you just don't know what to expect. I just love that. And when I when I saw, I got invited to go to the first screening of Killer Clowns to 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 do an audition. I just the the minute I saw that spaceship, like this spaceship here, mm-hmm. see. In the forest, I f- immediately fell in love with the movie. I said, this is so beautiful, but yet weird and bizarre. So I did a, um, a demo. Uh, I auditioned. And uh, I did the music for the scene where Mike and Debbie go into the circus tent. They get discovered by uh, clowns and they get chased out. And uh, they think they've escaped. 
but yet the clowns begin to walk upon uh, the town and, and the movie begins. So I felt that was a very crucial keystone moment of the movie that kind of defines what's going to happen for the rest of the movie. Right. So um, I, uh, w when I saw the clowns walking in the screening room, when I saw the clowns walking into the, uh, uh, to the town to invade the town, I thought to myself, Oh my gosh, I did a piece of music when I was 15 years old that my band didn't like, because they said it sounded too jazzy. And that was the Killer Clowns from Outer Space theme. Oh wow! <laughs> so I wrote so it. So you took something from the past and brought it because it it yeah, worked perfectly, it perfect. you know. Yeah. And um, like I said, when I played it for my band, because we were we had played music by Kiss and Led Zeppelin and uh, you know Rolling Stones and what have you for for uh, for kids parties, for school dances, and, and right. all kinds of. We did even quinceañeras, you know. <laughs> And so they, we decided we we're going to do original music. And uh, so I came up with that one and uh, they just, uh, they didn't like it. <laughs> oh, they didn't like it. Yeah. They said it sounded too jazzy. Uh, so uh, we never played it ever, you know, just, yeah. I, I, just, I kind of played it for them yeah. and they said, nah, I don't like it. It's <laughs> too, too weird. So it found a home. In killer class from outer space. In 1980, I was just graduating high school. Uh huh. Um, and I seen killer clowns. I I, I had a um, a liking to more of the horror type movies. Right. I, I found some of them uh, fascinating because I thought they were funny when they weren't supposed to be funny. Now, Evil Dead was one of those movies. That was yeah. a movie that I would watch and. People would think it was a horrifying horror movie. Yeah, I, I thought it was a comedy. I, you know, and same with Killer Clowns. Right, Killer Clowns. Um, and the following after that, Killer Killer Clowns had gotten it. Um, it's it became a cult classic. Uh -huh. Would you consider it a cult classic? Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Yes. You know what? It's you know why it's a classic. Why is that? Is because the fans have made it a classic. Yeah, <laughs> not people, people uh, have loved it. It's just like you know when Sam Raimi did Evil Dead. I think he mm -hmm. was kind of doing a tribute in one way to films that he loved when he was growing up. Right, and it has his personality all over that movie. You know, the Evil yeah. Dead, um, and um, the same thing with Kyoto Brothers. It was the movie they would have wanted to see when they were kids. Right. You want to do something crazy, something bizarre with a lot of interesting gags going out th throughout the whole gag, uh, throughout the whole movie with some uh, one liners and zingers that people will always yeah. remember. Remember, yeah. like, um, uh, uh, <clears throat> what are you going to do? Knock my block off. Oh, yeah. That's you know, the, that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's in the nomenclature of the horror genre now. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because I was at a signing. Uh, uh, about a month ago, and uh, there was a professor of, not a professor of philosophy, a, pro a professor of psychology that loves the movie and wanted me to sign it. And, and we were talking about that very movie where Shorty comes up and he knocks the block yeah. off of the guys. And she says, you can pick that scene apart in, in so many complicated ways. Because basically it's like, you know, 
uh, <clears throat> when you're, you know, you come up with a good idea or you're proud of something, you can present it and someone just wants to dismiss it, just blow you off, you know, say, oh, that's nothing. You know, he drives up in his little bike and he's, you know, he or she, you know, Shorty's very yeah. uh, proud of their bike. And, you know, it, it's all a metaphor, you know, you, you just, you had enough, you've been pushed around enough, people have rejected you enough, you didn't ask for their opinion, you just wanted to present something to them. And yet they come in and try to make a complete fool out of you. And you just can't take it. You get put in a corner and you can just come out swinging, you know? <laughs> so, um, and I've, I've discovered a lot of fans that identify with Shorty in that way. You know, yeah. it, it's funny how a scene, a crazy scene from a really crazy, wacky movie can have that kind of effect on Yeah, people. an emotional effect on somebody. Yeah. Now you do signings, and yes. I've seen you. Um, we talked about this before, John. I've seen you uh, the last month, just before COVID hit, of uh, February two thousand twenty. I seen mm-hmm. you at a signing there. Now I, I watch all these um, um, uh, pop ups. They're horror pop ups or, right. or, or spooky pop ups, mm-hmm. and you will be doing a signing at some of these events. Right. Mm-hmm. Now you yourself has a, have a, a large following mm-hmm. and that that's a good thing that they see you and they follow you and they, mm-hmm. they want to take pictures with you. And, and what, what is that like? Well, it's kind of, I, one thing that killer clowns from outer space is uh, uh, what, what I've inherited from killer clowns from outer space. I feel is a uh, extended family of nieces and nephews and, grandkids <laughs> oh yeah. yeah you know and uh so i treat it uh as such that it's like it's always like a like a fa- family gathering you know I, I i feel very at home with them they they obviously they have an affection for the 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 movie and for the music which to me is like I, to say it's an honor is a is an understatement i'm just like thrilled to pieces so i will go out of my way to you know make myself uh, available to them um when they reach out to me but what's important is that the signings that you know the any funds that are, are exchange um a great portion of it goes to a, a youth orchestra that i yeah. support that's so uh, that that makes me that's even makes it better Yes. Yeah. I have a, um, a nine-year-old now. And mm-hmm. I think it was sometime last year, I had him, we, my wife and I, we put on Killer Clowns for him. He was just bored for, with some of the movies. Mm-hmm. And, and some of the old horror movies mm-hmm. that I found frightening to me when I was that age, mm-hmm. he, now they watch them and it's nothing. Because right. there's so much that you see now in horror movies that it just surpasses your, your thoughts when you mm-hmm. watch these other horror movies from the 70s and 90s so nothing would, would shock him but when he saw killer clowns he he loved that movie mm-hmm. and he likes watching it and as you can see it we have the pops because they, <laughs> they they collect the pops as well right and he wants those he knows the characters he knows the movie he knows the scenes and mm-hmm. this is amazing to me you said um yourself that it's a family type tradition right. uh and and I pass that on to my son as well, and he right. loves the movie. Yeah, yeah and, and some people it's like a comfort food. If they had a bad week, 
they're, they're gonna exactly you know, yeah. they're gonna make some they're gonna make their favorite food their comfort food yeah and they're gonna stick that on and crack open a beer or something like that it's which makes me feel really good that that's that's what it's for it's to, right. it's to bring joy and relaxation to people now before killer clowns you you say mm-hmm. you're in, in a band but what got you into composing what were you doing before killer clowns oh ever since i was a kid I, music has always given me a great experience and create listening to music and creating music even now i mean i'm working on something right now uh before we had our meeting here that it's just like every it's just it's just a joy mm-hmm. to to work on music and so <clears throat> Before Killer Clown, well, the way I got into what's called media music is that I, I, I actually didn't didn't even know that that was a job making music for Movies, what what yeah. I would see on television. It's right. like when I was a kid, there was a um, a, a super marionation TV series uh, called Supercar, where you have the marionette puppets you know that would, yeah that would play the characters oh man i love that not only did i love it i love the music and i used to sing the song all the time it would have to wake up at five o'clock in the morning to see it because that's the only time it was on and uh it wasn't like we can stream things back then if you no, were in yeah. front of the tv you know so i'd make you sure it's there yeah. early enough so i can hear and see the supercar theme and sing along with it i i remember watching lost in space when it was originally on and my dad had this little tiny um reel-to-reel recorder and i used to record put the microphone up to the speaker and listen to the music and tinker at the piano try to try to and you know that was of course the the composer for that was was john williams right and um john williams at the time was in his uh uh, late 30s when he did uh, uh, star, uh, uh, <clears throat> Lost in Space. So um, I just had this, you know, and when I found out that that's actually something you can do, I looked into it and bit by bit, you know, when I went to, I went to UCLA, studied music, um, but that was, that was a portion of my education. Uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Uh, I, I, I graduate when I when I after attending UCLA, I didn't owe any money because I, I worked during the summer to pay for everything. And I was really happy to uh, run into uh, individuals that gave me good guidance. And, and back then it was interesting because you didn't have social media, but you could if you can get someone on the phone, like I, I would talk to Bill Conti like twice a year over a period of five or six years, just to talk to him and, and see if I'm doing the right thing. And he would tell me what I need to do, what's really hard and what's, uh, what I should make a priority and what have you. And that wasn't easy because Bill, I don't know if you know who Bill Conti is, but he, no, I don't. He, he, Bill Conti did the theme to Rocky. Oh, okay. Yeah. He did the right stuff. Mm-hmm. He had a number of uh, television series that he did the theme to. He was quite successful. He did right, one of the James right. Bond movies. So in the early 80s, he was, you know, he got an Academy Award. He was Academy yeah. Award winning composer. So, but just because he talked to me doesn't mean he talked to a bunch of people. I, you know, and I never gave out his phone number. And it, before I got, before he accepted to even have my phone conversation, I was calling John Williams. Henry Mancini, Lala Schifrin, 
who it turns out Bill Conti and Lalo Schifrin were friends. Lalo Schifrin did the theme to uh, Mission Impossible. Oh, okay. Right? So the, the, movie, the movie or the um, series? Well, this is way back when, yeah. when it was a so TV series. Yeah. He's like right. the original, you know, yeah. that bump, 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 yeah. bump. Right. Do you like Enter, the movie Enter the Dragon? Yes. Right? That's Lalo yeah. Schifrin. So all these guys were friends. So I called all these guys. Henry Mancini is like the Pink Panther. And they welcomed your phone call. No, they didn't. Okay. Bill Conti is the only one that picked up the phone. <laughs> so I kept calling and calling people. You know, I would leave messages and, uh, you know, I had to learn certain types of uh, phone etiquette. I also studied uh, music independently from going to UCLA with someone who you I took private lessons in, in orchestration. It was basically about making music. It wasn't necessarily about making music for film. Right. right. So uh, at a certain point, he recommended that I talk to a, a few people who were established and I kind of worked for them kind of, kind of like as an apprentice a little bit. And, um, that helped. And so I, but my goal was to, uh, you know, do my, you know, have my own credit and work as my own composer. And so that's where I uh, um, met some filmmakers that were doing short films for Disney. Mm -hmm. for the, at the time there was, there was Disney had uh, the wonderful world of Disney. And then there was the uh, Disney cable channel at the time. So I was doing little, little things like um, promotional, uh, like little commercials, Disney commercials mm -hmm. and things like that. And I got to do the trailer for the opening up of Ed, Epcot center. Oh, cool. In, yeah. uh, I think it was Orlando? 1982. Yeah. yeah. Orlando. Yeah. So that was a big deal to, to be able to do mm -hmm. a trailer for the opening of a new theme park right. for Disney. That was a major thing. And, um, boy, if there was only such a thing as social media and IMDB back then, I think oh, it yeah. would have been a lot easier because yeah. what you had to do back then is like when well, you did something yourself. Like, when you did something really cool, you either had to take an ad out in the trade magazines, which was very expensive, or you, you made a, a nice little postcard and you send it out to as many people as possible, you right. know, and with the hopes that they're going to like even look at it, you know, they may just like immediately throw it away. Uh, so, um, and then. And their response on those would take quite a few weeks. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that's months. if they see it and right. or if they even understand what it is. Right. Someone can look at that and say, oh, uh, Disney has a new theme park. Bam, throw it away. And they didn't read the part. I'm proud to announce that I did the. Right. And it was it was a it was a trailer that was in theaters for like, I don't know, like six months or something like that. Oh, cool. So, um, you know, and then that team went on to do other things. And then sometimes what happens, this is good for people to know that want to get into this business. You could work with some people and all of a sudden they have a life change. So I was working with a, a group of people that the, the principals, the people that do the hiring, the firing, they decided at one time that they don't want to be in the media business. And so they'll go back to their, um, you know, being the editor of a newspaper back in Ohio or something like right. that, which is a, a pretty big responsibility, but they like that better than being a producer at Disney. The pressure was just too much yeah, right. for them. So uh, sometimes that happens, you know, people take, uh, or they take a different position at a different company that has nothing to do with the, the media business. 
you know. So, um, so it was around that time after I'd done the Wonderful World of Disney theme. Uh, several months after that is when I got uh, the job to do Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Cool. Now, after uh, Killer Clowns uh, from Outer Space, mm-hmm. you actually became really successful in doing um, documentaries. I, I, I wouldn't say documentaries. Um, some of the, the like hoarders you did. Um, oh, I see what you mean. You yeah, mean like a, a lot of television. Well, okay. Yeah. The, the the way all of that happens is that I, I written a body of music that I had under my own control. In other words, I owned, I basically owned them as a property. So I um, got in contact with a company that oddly enough, um, Hans Zimmer is is involved in, principally involved, where they have a collection of music that they package up for the media industry and it gets used in a variety of things like on the dr oz show on hoarders you're right uh uh, there'd be like you said there is a documentary about world war ii that i have music in that so all that music lots of tracks will be used in a variety of things they'll be used in movie trailers and commercials a lot Mm -hmm. of shows that i've seen too that i watch myself like the horror Mm -hmm. i mean the um the haunting of yeah, the haunting yeah. of yeah. There's yeah. a lot of music with, I with have Chris in there. Russo or, uh, right. No, I didn't do the, I didn't do the theme music for it. However, right. there's music within, within the body of right. the show that they will use, um, and it's it's just another stream. Well, to I'll talk business here. It's another stream of income if you get into the business that you create music, and it has to be. You just can't like pump music out like nothing it has to be something special that has character to it so that um a, a picture editor can hear it and say oh my goodness that's going to capture the mood of this particular scene right. let me see oh it works great um so uh that took a that takes a while to do because you you know you have to basically not have just one piece of music you know you have to right. have like a body of music for instance right whatever a catalog that they pick from the catalog exactly okay and let's say you do a over a period of years you do you like 100 pieces of music and they say we want these 28 pieces of music you know and they're the best of of what you got in their opinion right you know? so uh that's how that comes to be um and it's, a, it's different from uh, like going back to killer clowns when you mm-hmm. did that movie you actually had to watch the movie and plug in right. pieces of music that would fit with that specific um, right well you create it from part scratch of the movie. right you, you right. create it from scratch right. it's like if you want to go back to killer clowns from outer space i wanted the music to be special in other words right. i didn't want the music to be goofy the music in Killer Clowns from Outer Space is kind of like, if you think of a comedy team, there's someone that's the straight man and mm-hmm. someone that's the goofball. Right. You know, they balance each other out. So if the music was goofy and silly, the the it, it kind the of takes family. away the goofiness right. and silliness of the movie itself. However, it's, if it sounds super legitimate, I had, I just, we, I just rescored the whole, movie a couple of years ago with an orchestra and we performed it live in a concert and uh even the filmmakers were saying it was really interesting to hear a symphony orchestra play the score to our crazy movie right and it works perfectly it makes yeah. it makes it makes it to hear like legitimate uh, 
legitimate orchestral narrative drama music used against the uh, goofy, um, uh, bizarre movie, it makes it even better. You know, it just it it just elevates the contrast, right? If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And going going back to some of these events that you've uh, gone to for for signing, um, you're going to be at Midsummer um, Scream. Actually, it's they're going to have one that they just announced in August, at the end of August, right? Right. That's in Pasadena. Yes. Okay. And then you're going to do Scarefare with us. Um, I'm going to be doing Scare, which I'm really looking forward to. Uh, my yeah. wife and some of our friends are already figuring out how to do the interior decorating for In your booth, whatever the booth <laughs> right. is. We right. were concerned whether, I understand we're going to be indoors. Yes. yes? Yeah. Okay. Yes. We're going to be in a building. Yeah. Because we were going to bring uh, like outdoor air conditioners. <laughs> okay. No, we'll be air conditioned. And yeah. it's going to be during the fall. It's actually going to be on October 30th. So that's cool. So it's here, going to be cooling down by that right. time. Up here yeah. it gets a little windy, kind of that fall wind. Oh, feeling. yeah. And uh, so we're going to be indoors. And there's going to be probably about 65 vendors. And wow. uh, you I got some really say, good performers, too. Right, right. We we have two bands. One is uh, Roadwork, who, who, plays in uh, Havasu every weekend and plays here in Southern California as well. That's but we're great. gonna have them open and we're gonna have another band which is American Zombie mm-hmm. and it's a Rob Zombie tribute band which they do an awesome spook show. That's so we're great. gonna have them as well. And a, uh, a psych, uh, it's Psychotic, which is a Carnival of Thrills. It's our haunted maze inside mm-hmm. of the circus tent. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're having. But over, um, I think, uh, I think we have now like fifteen celebrity guests. So wow. that that also includes comic book um, uh, artists as well, and uh, two comic book uh, uh, novelists and um, publishers. So it's it's going to be a funny event. It's, it's it's turned into a little bit of a comic con slash mm-hmm. uh, Halloween expo. Oh, that's great that you have the comic book people. And I understand that you have some uh, YouTube influencers there, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we have um, uh, the Grim Life Collection. Grim Life Collective. Collective. Yes. Yeah. And they're going to come out and they're going to be there. They're going to walk around doing interviews. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that they're going to be there the entire day with us. Oh, they're, they're very happy. Yeah. I'm, I'm very good friends with them. Yeah. And they're very thrilled that we're all going to we're all going to be out there. Uh, because I, I haven't actually have an affection for that part of the state because just about 80, uh, 80 miles north of there, I used to have mining claims. Oh yeah. Up, up by Randsburg. And I, I, some of the best experiences of my life and some of the worst experiences, of my life, but mostly the best experiences of my life have been up there. And I just love that country. And I, I'm very familiar with those desert yeah. winds that kick up to 40 miles an hour. With the with the um, Grim Life Collective, uh, mm-hmm. they've gone to spots. They they do what I wish I could be doing, and where I want to take this podcast is they, they go to places that are haunted, and they do uh, their interviews there. But they also do do their podcasts. I'm not I'm not sure if it's a podcast or it's just a video recording, but they do that while they're live, mm-hmm. and that that's what's cool. That's something that I would uh, I enjoy watching. So I started watching a lot of their YouTube uh, um, 
channel a lot of their right. videos on the youtube channel so it's like a horror yeah a horror themed travel channel oh yeah it's awesome so if anybody has not uh, doesn't know anything about the the grim life uh, collective uh, check them out on youtube uh, their instagram or their facebook yeah. and they're also going to be here and we're trying to get a um I've been in contact with the, uh, someone to do a live podcast mm-hmm. uh, there on, on the stage. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm not sure if we could get this together or not, but the, there are a couple of, of girls have been in the, um, the Halloween industry or the uh-huh. horror industry. And right. that would be a great compliment to uh, what, what's going on at for as well. That'd be awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, we got we have you. Um, we're gonna have uh, Joe Manku, Manku Gil. Yeah, Manku Gil. It's yeah. uh, Missy Hagen. Yeah. Um, actually, she's gonna be doing my podcast pretty soon as well. That's great. Yeah, Tell her I, I said hi. Yeah, I will. So we have her as well. We have uh, Joe Bob uh, Briggs. We no have, kidding, Joe Bob yeah. Briggs is gonna be there. Yes, you know that. I read his book. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna be there. Iron Joe. If anyone hasn't read his book, it's really good. Iron Joe Bob Briggs. I have the hardcover copy. I have to bring it so he can sign it. He is from Shudder on the Shudder Uh channel. um, And he does uh, The Last Mm Drive-In. And he's going to be there. And then we've got uh, Walter Phelan from House of a Thousand Corpses. He's Dr. Saiyan. And it's it's funny because that that role, Dr. Saiyan, is like anybody who watches any of... uh, uh, of uh, Rob Zombie's movies knows Dr. Shane mm-hmm. and and it's a role that's iconic to the r- other horror uh, um, icons like uh, Michael Myers and mm-hmm. and and um, uh, Jason mm-hmm. and, and then you got Dr. Shane as well so yeah we have a few a few celebrities and copyrights it's gonna be a lot of fun a lot of fun now what got you did, were you always into horror well uh, listen I I when I was a kid, I loved watching vampire movies, but then I found out later the reason why I liked vampire movies is because there was lots of uh, hot girls with low-cut uh, blouses on. So I don't know if that uh, qualifies me. Um, I mean, well, okay, let me put it this way. Were they early vampire movies or the 80s type vampire movies? Anything that was on television. Okay. So they were probably from the late 50s up into the 60s, right? All right. They were black and white. But uh, I was a full-on adult when I saw The Shining. Mm. I could not sleep that night because I thought to myself, oh, my gosh, that character reminds me of people I've actually met in my life. I I barely escaped by the skin of my teeth. You know what I'm saying? That's what was scary. That's where the real horror is. His acting Um, was very good. And, oh man and you watch him go from normal to just psychotic and like yes yeah and uh sometimes i creep out my wife she says uh okay what uh where, where are we going for dinner i'll go johnny likes to go get a hamburger <laughs> <laughs> she goes don't yeah. do that and because, actually yeah. that's more creepier now I, I my wife had never seen the shining i said we've got to see the shining. shining this is like if you're going to see any horror movie, you got to see that this is like well-constructed grand drama, even though um, I understand that he, uh, that Stanley Kubrick wasn't completely faithful to the 
the book itself, which I have to read one day. And she sat down and watched it. And I was afraid that she wouldn't be able to sleep that night, but she just said, this is really good. This is a really deep, I mean, the emotions here, you can see the, the complete breakdown of, of sanity right as it happens it starts small and it just cascades down it wasn't um, that like um covid it was some, <laughs> so some of, what, some of they our were stuck, experiences yeah stuck in they the were house stuck inside the house we're all just uh, living in our bedrooms trying to right. keep from each other from killing right. each other right and um yeah that, that, that that's what uh, it you have a point be. there but i gotta tell you since i do all my work at home i actually got more work done because i didn't have to drive <laughs> anywhere yeah yeah, because if I have to drive somewhere, it just kills the day for me. You know, I, I have uh, four kids that live at home. We were a blended family, uh-huh. and then I have my my daughter who lives uh, down in Corona. Mm-hmm. But um, my daughter wanted to see it because her grandfather was a big fan, fan of The Shining, mm-hmm. and my eight year old at the time he was eight years old. He's nine now, but they wanted to see it, The wow. Shining, and they're like The Shining. They kept mentioning The Shining. We want to see it. And it's a 1970s movie. And again, I was right. like, I don't think you guys would be too scared. It's not like a scary movie. It's more like a like, like psychology. Yeah. 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 Well, I don't think you guys will find it too scary. But some of the, the as I'm watching it again in my adulthood, uh, some parts were kind of scary, even for them. But I, I think they actually got it. They understood the movie. They understood the, the, um, everything the breakdown of his mental ability to right. and, and they also uh when they see certain pictures of the twin girls right and they know and, that and, came from the shining right right they when see, they see yeah. that the, there's people yeah. that dress up as the twin girls or yeah. people will wear pajamas that have that design right right of the of the carpet you know yeah. the intertwining uh pentagons or whatever it yeah. is whatever that is and uh I have a, a, a Rob Zombie t-shirt and it's with Marilyn Manson and, and it, they're just like that as well. And, and my son's like, that's from the shining. And, and <laughs> even, even when we go to, um, even to, when we go to a couple of these pop-up events, uh, they're, they see images from the shining there uh, with Jack Nixon and he has the ax out the bed, the bathroom door. Here's and Johnny. Here's Johnny. Right. They, they recognize those iconic pieces from the movie the shining. Right. Well, right. you know, I, I will, I will reveal to you my the scariest moment to me in The Shining was when uh, the wife goes to his uh, workspace where he's at the typewriter, and there's a stack of papers that she's been typing oh, away yeah, all the time. Yeah. And it's the same phrase yeah. Yeah, over, over and, and over. over. I'm going, yeah. and I, that is terrifying because all he's been doing is nothing basically right. exactly he's been taking nothing and create creating Just something doing over and over and that's you know. that's the i wonder if you can actually buy that book i wonder if you can actually <laughs> buy that book if someone ever thought of publishing that book where you funny. see you know yeah. all working yeah. no play it makes a jack book morning yeah. guy and it's like an all you know all sorts of triangle uh, square d- d- one word at a time <laughs> and that's the entire book and i think if you had to read it from cover to cover can you imagine so, with the imagine with the audio book yeah Audio, oh, the audio, audio version, version of, book of that oh book. Oh my would god, be, just saying it. How long it would that drive be? you nuts? <laughs> yeah, it would. It would. Yeah. Um, what is your scariest movie that you find? Scariest movie? Yeah. 
You know, I tell you the honest truth, the scariest thing I have seen, and I don't think it was a movie, it was um, uh, seeing a documentary. This is the scariest moment for me. Seeing a documentary about Chris Watts, the guy in Colorado that killed his wife and his two children. Mm -hmm. And the scariest moment where I had to get up and leave the room is where they show a video of the two daughters singing about their daddy being a hero. Oh, wow. And it's like, like I, uh, you know how you get I've never hairs, seen that documentary. The hairs stand on your head. Right, yeah. I mean, the hairs stand arm, on your head all yeah, over your body, yeah. on my arms yeah. and everything. I had to leave the room. It was just too much. It was yeah. horrifying. I can't imagine what madness will, you know, because listen, listen, I've been through a divorce. It's mm -hmm. not easy. Uh, and I get along with my ex-wife very, very well. We, we've parented our children from when they were like in um, like a, a eight and 11 to up to adults. And we still, uh, you know, we have family dinners and my ex-wife comes with her, her husband and they're with my wife. We're still a family. Um, I, I can't imagine the guy wants a new life and to erase out his children that's hor that's yeah. hor that's that's horror yeah. at its highest in my opinion I however was... but if i get to go through a movie that was scary that really kept me so captivated it was uh jordan peele's first movie that he came out with was it yeah. um it, it was, was an, uh, it wasn't us it was it wasn't uh, us it was the one before that where um you uh, the people were put right. in a different portion of their brain and they couldn't come out right you know they were they were um, it's gonna stick in my head yeah i'm trying to think of that movie yeah um well i got uh, yeah i got uh, what do you call it up here um imdb <laughs> so i'll look at it for you well, are you gonna are, edit this and uh, no go ahead oh okay uh, one of one of my scariest movies uh, get out get out that's it get out. <laughs> right when you said that i looked up yeah that's it get out yeah get out uh what was the exorcist um to this day, I, I still and I can watch it, but it's just a thought that they do hold exorcists. Exorcists are real, yeah. and people get demonic possessions, mm -hmm. and so that that portion of the movie, that the whole reality of the movie, scares me and frightens me. Mm -hmm. Well, I I saw uh, my first year of college. They had it at the at the. Um, the dollar theater uh i mean well they had it in the stu student union hall that fit mm -hmm. like you know like nearly a thousand people and they showed the exorcist and i'm sorry i couldn't sleep that night it was so disturbing to me and we saw it on a projector you know yeah. what i'm saying where they have in like, a room in the middle of the room yeah. there's a projector going ticka 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 and we were watching on the screen there's like you know Part of the projector is a big microphone, a big uh, speaker, and you, they have yeah. they rolled it up to the front. Uh, and I think like, that I think a projector is scary in itself. It's just terrifying. <laughs> it was just absolutely terrifying. Yeah. So, um, yeah, The Exorcist was great. You know, people talk about The Exorcist music, and uh, I'm not sure if everyone knows, but that music was written years before. And it had no purpose, had oh, really? no connection to demonic to the movie. possession. Oh. Yeah, no, oh. it was just like a beautiful piece of music. And when you think of it, that's where the contrast. Remember, I was talking about right. the contrast in Killer Clowns. So you imagine this kind of like mysterious but yet beautiful, alluring uh, piece of music. A um, year before that movie, 
uh-huh. somebody could listen to that music and think and not what know. a be- beautiful piece yeah what but a beautiful you, piece what, of music after after the movie you think it's why you're that same music you associate and, and, and it's you, emulated so right. many, it's emulated so many times i mean uh listen halloween is a, kind of a copy of the exorcist oh yeah and um so it's like again there's the, the contrast you know and i thought that was such a brilliant move by the directors and producers to pick a piece of music like that because it basically represents the innocence that's being possessed by the evil that's like kind of captivated so now going back to that contrast that you're talking about in killer clowns mm-hmm. let's talk about something about killer clowns okay and that would be sequel okay okay well all i can say is this um killer clowns is a property that i uh, was owned by MGM, I believe. Now it's owned by Amazon. Oh, right. Okay. And uh, if there's going to be anything done with Killer Clowns from Outer Space, I I believe uh, I, I can tell you with great confidence that when MGM uh, was considering or you know entertaining any sort of sequel, it has to be done first class. It can't be just. Uh, assigned to the sci-fi channel and hope for for the best they they do something good with it or something like that it has to uh like when i did mine uh my concert i i I said it's going to be done by this you know the the musicians are going to be put together by this music contractor that only contracts for uh for large events like at the hollywood bowl or for any of the big um uh, movie blockbuster scoring sessions, you know, and they had to know who was going to play and how it was going to, it had to be quality. So I, I, and since Amazon's involved, uh, I'm sure we're going to see something at some point. I I just, I don't have anything to report to you, but I do know the secret in my opinion, the secret we've, because I felt we, we captured lightning in the bottle when we did Killer Consumer Space. Mm-hmm. No one, no one said, "Hey, let's make a movie and let's do it this way." It was given to the Kyoto brothers, who have a vivid imagination, that they let run wild and they created that movie. So I think if you try to corral the creative uh, forces of the Kyoto brothers and try to shoehorn in some other concept. That doesn't have to do does has nothing to do with their creation i think that's where it will fall apart yeah or try to recreate the original yeah i think yeah. they can't do that yeah uh, th- i heard that this is actually going to be the sequel too and this yeah. has been bouncing around for like i said about seven yeah. months so i look well, forward to seeing something well listen i mean you know um there's been several uh incarnations of uh nightmare on elm street right uh, mm-hmm. it's basically you know a formula fan try fan, franchise that could be um can, can be expanded upon that i mean i would have loved to do at least the first w- one or two sequels or you know continuations of the story and then walk away with it i right. would have been perfectly happy right. and when it comes back again i really truly hope i will make every effort i can to be involved to be with part them. of it yes because one of the magic the pieces of magic that makes it work is the 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 way i design the music i don't right. mean to tout my own horn no, but true. there was a there, there was a certain spirit that i was using to create that music that i i think we could uh, uh benefit by doing that again 
And, you know, I, quite frankly, I'm surprised that there's, there hasn't been a, a legitimate licensed uh, comic book series. Uh, oh, wow. I knew, knew more, more toys and games than you can imagine. I'm just really surprised none of that's happened. Well, and you I see a lot of that from independent, independent artists. Yes. That create to, that, yeah. They have to get, it li- they have to get approval. Right. They have to get approval from the uh, copyright holder the inner uh, or as they call it the ip holder the inner intellectual property holder but i think with amazon where they're they're a bit more daring i i think something good is going to happen well let's hope so let's hope that you collaborate with them as well yes and you know i'm working with some people that we're going to be doing some live events Uh that are killer clowns from outer space themed you know who you are (laughs) but i'm not going to (laughs) reveal nope but i can say this much that there it's will gonna be, be fun. Some, be something wonderful that you can invite the whole family to. It might it might even be an all day event. It might be a whole weekend event. I can't say right now, but, <laughs> but uh, it will be released soon. Yes. Okay. Well, John, not like next week. No, no, no. <laughs> Months. Yeah. Okay, John, is great talking to you. We're running. It's good out talking of time. to you, Eddie. I had a fun time uh, speaking to you, interviewing you. Uh, this has been great. I hope to do this again. And everybody go out and see John Sorry at Scarefair, October 30th. Um, he's going to be there an entire day. It's going to be a fun event. There's going to be other actors. There's going to be all kinds of vendors, some special treats there, and, and there's different events that you can go through. So that's going to be quite a day. I Thanks. will say this. I will say this. Come to Scarefair. love yourself for it yes thank you john take care appreciate it thank Thank you everybody goodbye